Hello, I'm Kyle Caldwell and this is On The Money, a weekly look at how to get the best out of your savings and investments. In this episode, we're looking at the hidden costs of being single, both in terms of the day-to-day and when it comes to longer-term investments. More and more people are living alone in the UK, according to census data released by the ONS last year. It showed that solo living increased by 8.3% over the past decade. In London alone, the proportion of one-person households is just over 25% in 2021, while in Scotland it was 36%. But what does this mean for your money? I'm joined in the studio by Nina Kelly, who is here to share her experiences and tips for how to navigate the financial impacts of living alone. And Shona Lowe, financial planning expert at Aberdeen, is on the line to help make sense of it all and offer some practical pointers. So turning to you first, Nina, one of the first things to say is that it's not all doom and gloom, is it? For me, there's no winner. There's just different choices. And this is definitely not a worries me podcast, more of a clear eyed look at the cost of being single now. Some people live alone, of course, because they've suffered a bereavement or they're divorced, but others choose to be single. And one of the most enjoyable things is that you have the freedom to spend the money you have left over each month on exactly what you like, whether that's a trivial thing like a book purchase or a more expensive buy like a piece of furniture. And you don't literally need someone else's buy-in to go ahead and get the thing you want. I know quite a few couples who don't share the same preference on what they have for dinner and it's nice having total freedom over what you spend your food budget money on and what you cook. Another huge benefit is that you aren't saddled with someone else's debts, for example if a partner runs up a huge credit card bill. In terms of drawbacks, it's very much down to you to do all the financial planning and thinking for yourself and if managing money is something that you find daunting that might feel like a struggle, the risk is that you leave it on the back burner. But I'd urge people not to put off thinking about money and to just start learning about it and taking it one step at a time. Another problem, of course, is that if you become ill, there is no one to not only physically care for you, but to provide financial support in the form of a second salary. Let's go into some of the costs then. What are you looking at? compared with a couple? Well, obviously you aren't splitting the bills 50-50, so you're shouldering all the costs yourself. So everything from energy and food bills to broadband, the TV license and the rent or mortgage are paid by you. Recent estimates suggest it's about £10,000 annual difference in the cost for single people versus couples. With council tax, you get a 25% single person discount But I've seen discussion online about whether the discount being 25% rather than 50%, for example, is fair. Emma John, who is an author and journalist, she wrote a book called Self-Contained Scenes from a Single Life. In The Guardian in January, she wrote an article I read that said, most single people are living on one income in a dual income economy and one whose lawmakers make the fallacious assumption that they have more disposable income than their coupled counterparts. For example, I think the single supplement in hotels is a frustration for a lot of people when they go away alone. Pensions will be a big consideration too. I expect women especially with issues such as the gender pay gap and more traditional family roles, such as taking career breaks to look after children, will result in smaller pots to play with for women. Shona, are there ways to cushion the impact of this? 
Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think, to be honest, the thing with pensions is you always need to start your planning at the age and stage you find yourself at, because it's not going to be the same for everybody. If you're if you're young and you're starting out, whether you're male or female, to be honest, the main thing to do is to look at how you can save as much as you possibly can. Um, obviously, if your top up, if your contributions are going to be topped up, and um, then you want to make the most of that if you possibly can, but also giving your savings as long as you possibly can to grow over time, and also your ability if you've got a longer time horizon to make sure that your level of risk and how much volatility you can accept, you can probably do more with them. So you've got more investment decisions um, that you can take. Um, it can also make sense to start to bring your pensions together, particularly if you are if you're male or female, but if you find yourself with a number of different employers, um, which can be quite common um, for females, bringing your pensions together um, can help you better manage them because they're all in the one place, but it can also help again with those investment decisions. Um, one of the things specifically for lower earners, which again can impact um, females, is if you're not in a pension or you weren't enrolled in one because you were earning too little, then you can ask to be enrolled or you can set up your own private pension if that's um, helpful. If you're older, further through your career perhaps, or um, further through various life stages, the main point for females, again, for anyone, is just understand what you have in your pensions. Do you have any final salary ones? Do you have workplace pensions? Do you have private pensions? And then really importantly is to understand what you think you're going to need in retirement. Um, looking at online calculators can be really helpful. Looking at the retirement living standards, again, can be helpful checking your underlying investments and seeing if you can contribute more. But specifically for females who may have taken breaks uh, from work, checking your state pension is going to be really important in terms of both your forecast for how much you're going to receive, but also what your pension age will be and how that will match with your other pensions. Um, looking at your NI credits uh, for how much you have earned um, of those, looking at whether you're eligible to top them up if you've got missing years from parenting or caring responsibilities, again, can, can really help opting back in to workplace pensions for females um, who may have opted out, again, can help to really build those retirement savings. And generally checking your NI record, um, you can do that through gov.uk. It's really straightforward and making sure if you've got any gaps, you plug them. Again, can be particularly relevant for females. So overall, it's about understanding what you've got and where you'd like to get to. But there are some extra things in there that, that females who may have some, some gaps and need to kind of catch up a little bit can absolutely do. And Nina, what's your approach to your pension? I'm going to quote a character from one of my favourite TV series, Better Call Saul, which is the prequel to Breaking Bad. There's a character in it called Kim, and she says to her partner, Jimmy, who's offering to help her, you don't save me, I save me. And for me, this is all about taking care of yourself and making plans. I'm conscious that my living standard in retirement will be down to me. And while being single is not always a permanent thing, of course, to take an example from the financial world, Mervyn King, the former governor of the Bank of England, married for the first time in 2007 at the age of 50. So things can and do change, but it's wise to educate yourself about money and make plans nevertheless. And my number one tip would be for anyone who hasn't done so yet to really seize the reins and learn about pensions and investing. 
And as Shona said, some things to think about when it comes to pensions include the fact that life expectancy has risen. So you could be spending a long time in retirement. So find out how much you might need. And the Pensions and Lifetime Savings Association, the PLSA, has very useful figures for single people taking into account various different costs, including owning a car and holidays, whether you might take holidays abroad or not, and whether you are targeting what they define as basic, moderate or a luxurious lifestyle. Another thing is to try not to stop your workplace pension contributions as you don't want to miss out on the employer's contribution. And In a cost of living crisis, that's a hard ask. But if you need to pause your contributions, try and do so only if you have to. Also, think about having an ISA as well as a pension. So if you retire before state pension age, you have income to support you if you don't want to touch your pension yet. So to sum up for me, it's taking control when it comes to money management. And it's not as complicated or frightening as you might fear, particularly when it comes to pensions. You both covered a lot of ground there and uh, lots of helpful information for people that are single. But how about if you're not currently single, but thinking of becoming single through divorce? Do people tend to look at pensions as well as assets, such as the family home? What, what's your thoughts on that, Shona? So I think, let's be honest, there's a huge amount going on when somebody's looking at that particular life stage. And there's an awful lot of very emotive things um, that are being discussed. And often that means that finances might get pushed down the agenda. And that's absolutely understandable. But really, they do need to be at the the top or as close to as possible to the top of the list as you can put them. Um, and generally, again, pensions will tend to get less priority than the more obvious issues around about houses, possessions, things like that. Um, that said, though, pensions are hugely important and understanding how they need to adapt and how they need to behave in a divorce situation is absolutely critical. Often an area where you will need to get some specialist advice, um, how the pensions will be valued for divorce purposes will depend on where you are in the UK. So you do need to understand exactly how that works for you. Um, and then understanding whether there's anything that perhaps a court or a financial settlement would involve, perhaps in the space of offsetting transferring pensions now or potentially earmarking them for the future. So they are hugely important and making sure they stay at the top of the agenda along with all the, the other financial issues, along with all the other very emotive, um, very difficult, very practical issues um, can just help you feel more in control of that situation and know that you have done everything you can to make sure you're set up as well as you possibly can be for what will be the next chapter for you going forward. There are a couple of other areas I wanted to ask you, Shona, that I think are worth touching on in terms of later life. One of those is whether it's a good move to extend your mortgage beyond retirement age. And the other thing I wanted to ask you was about funding any care costs in later life. Yeah, so whenever you're looking at a mortgage, your main issue, both for you and for your lender, will always be affordability. And pushing a mortgage end date into retirement will, for some people, create some real challenges around about affordability. Your income is likely to change significantly. Um, your asset base, again, could change significantly. So affordability will be key. Understanding what you're happy with and what you believe you can afford, but also what your lender is going to be happy with. Um, so making sure you've 
perhaps spoken to your lender. If you have a specialist mortgage broker, getting them involved can again be uh, a big step forward into how you would do that and, and do it well. Um, but it's also worth remembering that there are some specialist mortgages um, aimed specifically at the over 55s uh, market, which will generally be interest only. Um, you will obviously need a plan to pay off your capital, whether that is in cashing other investments, selling other properties or downsizing. But certainly, again, understanding all the options that are available to you, not just in terms of um, what's just on the market, but how it actually works for you, how it would behave for you and how that affects you going forward can absolutely open up options for you as you move into that into that retirement phase. Um, I think your other question was around about care costs. Now, this is obviously a concern for a lot of people. Um, it's a sort of unknown future issue that you want to make sure you've planned for, um, but equally don't necessarily know how much planning you need to do for it because you have no idea whether it'll impact you. So it is a really difficult one. And a lot like we were talking about with divorce, it is a really emotive issue whenever you're talking about long-term care. Um, generally, the best way to start is to understand what your total asset base looks like and understand in your own particular region, your own particular part of the UK, what likely long-term care costs are, because they vary massively, widely, hugely widely across the country. So understanding what that cost could look like, um, but also bearing in mind that very long stays in care are quite unusual. And generally, you would expect a couple of years to be relevant for most people. So one of the traps we do see people falling into is actually reserving too much for care costs and as a result not doing all the financial planning and the really good tax planning they could do because they have kept too much aside. Now for most people your property, your main home will probably be one of the first ports of call for supporting you in later life with care costs if you don't have lots of investments but as I say understand what you've got, um, understand what you think the likely costs could be in your particular region um, and then understand how you might meet those costs and what that might leave you with. But to be honest, the difficulty of planning for care costs is the local authorities will look very closely at anything you do to try to minimise the amount of assets you have available to pay for care costs and will look to unravel any planning that you do that is done deliberately to avoid care costs. So it's more about understanding what the future might look like and how you are best placed to prepare for that than it is trying to actively take any steps to minimise what you have available. The one thing to bear in mind for all of this, of course, is that the single life is variable. Nina mentioned earlier on in the podcast that a uh, potential advantage of being single is that you, know, you don't have a partner that may have a lot of debt. So Shona, what do people need to be aware of in terms of protecting their finances if they end up coupling up? So I think with any coupling up decision, um, you're, you need to be ready for the fact that there's never going to be one right answer for how you manage your finances. Um, there's not one specific set of circumstances that will apply to everybody. Um, it really will depend on what your attitudes to money are, what your partner's attitudes are, how you each spend and save. Um, if one of you has a poor credit rating, that's absolutely something you would want to take into account. How much you trust each other financially, um, how much you each propose to contribute to the partnership as such, and also how openly you can talk about money. Um, they will all be things that will impact how you choose to do, um, how you choose to set up your finances. I suppose there's four 
broad options, really, which is you keep everything separate, you join everything up and manage everything as a couple. You might have one individual who earns significantly more than the other who might perhaps prefer some sort of allowance arrangement. So there's a, a partial sharing. Or overall, even if you are on a much more equal footing asset wise, um, it might be that you share some of your financial management and split others. So no one way of doing things. I suppose my my one of my biggest call outs, I think, for any situation, whether you are single, whether you are coupling up, whether you are splitting up, is that there are some really basic housekeeping things that you just really need to do. And that comes down to very simple things like managing your own tax. So making sure that if you have to do a tax return, for example, you've got your tax code right, you are submitting your tax return when you need to, submitting it on time, avoiding any interests and penalties, taking control of your own finances like that. But more broadly, things like wills and powers of attorney are so important. Whether you are single, whether you are coupling up, whether you are separated, your own views on how you would like to pass your assets on are really, really important to capture. And in our experience, some of our most complicated sets of will instructions come from our single clients because there's not necessarily the same obvious destination for assets. But it is also one of the things that gets forgotten when people um, change their relationship status to either become with a partner or separate from a partner. So making sure your will is in place and making sure your will's up to date, but also making sure that you've got um, your power of attorney in place, which allows people you trust to make decisions on your behalf, whomever they may be and whatever your circumstances are. So always remembering the financial, absolutely. But those broader housekeeping issues of managing your tax, managing your legacy and managing your decisions will be important whatever age and stage you find yourself at. Thank you to Shona and to Nina. And thank you for listening to this episode of On The Money. If you enjoyed it, please follow the show in your podcast app and tell a friend about it. And if you get a chance, leave us a review or a rating in your podcast app too. You can join the conversation, ask questions and tell us what you would like us to talk about via email, which is otm at ii.co.uk. And in the meantime, you can find more information and practical pointers on how to get the most out of your investments on the Interactive Investor website, which is ii.co.uk. See you next week.